Shabbat Shalom. I'm Rabbi David Levine, and this is Live from Home, and this is my wife, Sandy. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome to our home. We want to welcome all of Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue, Mishpocha, and all podcast listeners from around the world. This is Yom Shabbat on Saturday, May 2nd, 2020. And this morning, Brian and Deanne Rose and their family will welcome us to their home and lead us in Hebrew prayers and worship. And after that, Rabbi Yuri and I will be back from live from home and we'll return to the Rose family at the very end for a final worship song. Right now, I wanna invite you to hit the share button so that you can let your friends know that this is a good time to join in with us. And also, if you don't mind, hit the like button and the follow button, a lot of buttons to push today in order to stay connected and to get all the notifications from Facebook. And I want to give a special invitation for everyone to join in with your comments and an even more special invitation for those of you who have never participated by writing comments during the service today. I want to invite you and especially I'd like to say that those of you who are first time joining us on Facebook Live and Live From Home would let us know where you're from so that we can give you a special greeting because we'd love the chance to hear from you. And we want to send our special greetings to our international friends all over the world. We're so glad you could be with us right now. It's wonderful that we can participate in this way. Now, this is a Mishpacha edition, and we are continuing to include some of the Hebrew prayers and worship that are part of the Facebook Live program, Live from Home, on our podcast. So if you're going to hear this on podcast, or if you're listening later on podcast, you'll hear some extra things that you might not hear normally on our podcast. But at our service, we would take time to do some things we might not normally do. And this morning, we're going to do a special mishpocha prayer. We're going to stop right now. I want to ask you to join me in praying for Bob Cregan, Carol Cregan's husband. They're at the emergency room right now. He's having difficulty breathing and may have pneumonia. So would you join with me during this urgent time. Lord, we lift up Bob Creek into you and we pray for life for him. We pray for protection from every infection and that the doctors would have wisdom. We pray, Lord, for safety for him during this time at the hospital and that he might live and that he might breathe and that the spirit of God would produce life in him. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So from Sandy and me, we say Shabbat. Shabbat shalom. And now let's join the Rose family to live from home. Hello, everyone. Shabbat shalom. Welcome to our home. My name is Brian Rose, and this is my wife, Deanne. And um, welcome this morning as we usher in the Shabbat. Let's begin with our beautiful Shema. You can stand and face the direction of Jerusalem and um, say the Shema with us together. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom for all eternity. And now the Veshamru. The children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat, observing it throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Shabbat to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Thank you. 
Father, we thank you for your love to us, the love that you showed us with the gift of your son, Yeshua, the ransom for our sins, our kinsman redeemer, the one who you sent to be our Messiah. Father, thank you that in your love for us, we have a way to be reconciled to you. Thank you, Father, for Yeshua's sacrifice, that he paid the great cost to redeem our souls. Father, we bless you. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, congregation. Good morning, everyone, and welcome into our home. Thank you, Brian and Jan, for inspiring and beautiful worship. Thank you so much. Today, I would like to consider two very interesting topics from the Torah portion, Kedushim, Holy People, and the second one from the Half Torah portion, the restoration of the Tabernacle of David. Let's read Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. This is the commandment from, from the Lord, from Adonai, the words of Adonai to us. Adonai said to Moshe, speak to the entire community of Israel. Tell them, you people are to be holy because I, Adonai your God, am holy. One of the main meaning of the word holy is separated to God for a specific task separated out for a specific God-defined purpose. And in order to achieve this goal, we must be sanctified to prepare ourselves to be worthy and capable of achieving this goal. I have read this passage from scripture many times because it helps me to stay focused on my mission. And I would like to read it. It's from, the first, from first Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 11. It's a beautiful place of scripture, and it's a very important for us to remember. This is beautiful pro promises to us. So let's read together. First Peter 2, 9, 11. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a beautiful promises here. First, a chosen people. And not only a chosen people, but also a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people belonging to God. And what's the reason for that? In order to, it, which means set apart for called to proclaim the perfection of God, give him praises. No, not that we are a people of perfection, a people who are absolutely without sin or defect, but we are a people set apart for mission, which God has specified for us. And in order to pursue this goal, in order to pursue God's assigned mission, we must be sanctified to prepare ourselves to be worthy and capable to achieve this goal. I want to read First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Instead, just like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in everything you do. I like, like this, in everything you do. For it is written, Kedushim you shall be. For I am Kadosh. Kedushim you shall be, for I am Kadosh. Now let's look in the Haftorah for the second part of our discussion, restoration of the tabernacle of David. And also the most important part here, where is our part in it as a Messianic movement? What is our duty? What is our calling here? So it is in Amos chapter 9, verse 11. So let's open the uh, book of Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12 and read together. When the day comes 
I will raise up the fallen sukkah or in Subtuagin tabernacle of David. I will close up its gaps, raise up its ruins and rebuild it as it used to be so that Israel can possess what is left of Edom and of all the nations bearing my name, says Adonai, who is doing this. The prophecy from the book of Amos is one of the direct messianic prophecies. And also in Acts chapter 15, read how the apostle Yaakov give, gives his, this prophecy about the tabernacle of David as confirmation that the Messiah had already come. And let's read um, book of Acts chapter 15, verse 13, and let's compare with Amos chapter 9. We will see a beautiful picture here. So this is in the book's chapter, Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 13, starting from verse 13. After they finished speaking, Jacob answered, Jacob answered, Brothers, listen to me. Shimon has described how God first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for his name. The words of the prophets agree as it is written. And here he is quoting from Amos chapter 9. Verse 16, after this, I will return and rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, namely all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says Adonai, <clears throat> who makes these things known from old. What a beautiful confirmation. So let's compare uh, Amos chapter verse 12 and X chapter verse uh, 17. So Amos verse 12 and X chapter verse 17, I'm sorry, because it is a beautiful picture here. So Amos 9, 12. So that Israel can possess what is left of Edom and of all the nations bearing my name, says Adonai, who is doing this. This is in Amos chapter 9, verse 12. And let's compare with Acts chapter 15, verse 17. This is explanation of Rabbi Yaakov, Apostle Jacob. So that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, namely all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says Adonai. So in, in Amos, these words, Israel can possess very interesting words here. So what Amos meant in these words? And we can find explanation of Rabbi Yaakov in verse 17. That the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, faith in the Lord, who is the father and founder of Israel, will spread across the nations of the world. And many nations will accept the Lord of Abraham Isaac and Jacob by faith. This is the way how to influence the world around. Yes, Bible is a Jewish writings. The prophets were Jews. The New Testament first to the Jews and to all the nations of the world. Mary, mother of Jesus, her real name, her Jewish name, Miriam. And she was a Jewish woman who was born in Israel. Jesus, it is the Greek pronunciation of the Jewish name Yeshua. Holy Spirit in Hebrew is the Ruach HaKodesh. All apostles were Jews. First congregation were worshiping the God of Israel from the book of Psalms using the Jewish music and rhythms because first Christianity was a Jewish religion. And the majority of the first believers were Jews who introduced all the nations of the world to their faith. This is influence. In verse 17, in, books of, in book X, uh, Yaakov gave his explanation that the existence of Jewish messianic congregations and synagogues, it is a sign for the world 
and the prophetic confirmation for all peoples that we are live in the end times. It is so important to know, to remember and to understand. And he directly links revival, the immersion in the Holy Spirit and the salvation of nations of the world with the repentance of the Jewish people, with the restoration of the fallen tabernacle of David. To make it clear, I would like to explain uh, what the tabernacle of David was and how it different from the tabernacle of Moses, because it will give us whole picture. It will help us to understand whole picture. So the tabernacle of Moses. Tabernacle of Moses consisted with, of three parts, the court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. It was consistent with of three parts. People in general could enter only the courtyard of the tabernacle. Only the priests could come into the holy place for service. And only the high priest once a year, only on Yom Kippur, could enter the Holy of Holies to bring the blood of the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins of all Israel and all nations of the world. It, it was a beautiful picture, but the problem with this arrangement was that God's presence was in the Holy of Holies and the people in the courtyard. It was separation between people and God's presence. The tabernacle of David was completely different. We do not have its description, but according to some biblical interpreters, the tabernacle of David is a tent with an ark in the midst of it, inside of the tent. Can you imagine how strong God's presence was in that, in that tent? The Lord was in the midst of the tent, always, 24-7. When the Holy Spirit fell on the Jewish Messianic believers at the great feast of Shavuot in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, this was the beginning of restoration of the tabernacle of David, the presence of the Lord in the midst of Israel. It was the beginning of the greatest revival of all the nations of the world in the world history in Jerusalem on Shavuot time. We need to understand and realize that through the ministry of the Jewish Messianic communities, one of the most important things happens, the restoration of the fallen tabernacle of David. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture for us. Today, the presence of God, his spirit, fills the hearts of Jews with faith and internal life. And remarkably, there also a corresponding spiritual awakening throughout the nations of the earth. And I would like to end with Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. This is promises. And also this is our job. This is our task. This is our goal from the Lord. We were set apart for this goal. Matthew 23 from verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I long to gather your, chicken, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will never see me again until you say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It is our task to introduce our people to the biblical Judaism, Judaism of Messiah, so that he will come soon and speedily in our days. Thank you so much for attention. And let's welcome Rabbi David from his home. Rabbi David. Thank you, Rabbi Yuri. You're talking about such important issues. I really appreciate the distinction you're making between the tabernacle of David and of Moses. And I also think about the temple in Jerusalem, the latter temple during the time of Yeshua.
Yeshua, it also had a feature that was important paying attention to. It had a court of the Gentiles, a place that on one hand seemed to be a place of limitation. The Gentiles could come this far, but no further. But if you look at it another way, it was the beginning of something. And that was that the children of Israel would also be enhanced and added to by faithful from among all the nations who would come and worship the Lord together with the Jewish people. So when we make these comparisons, it helps us to understand some things about what God has been doing and what he is doing now. And when I think about the Torah portion, and then I think about a reading from Corinthians for this week, it helps me understand something, that the children of Israel during the time of Moses and the Messianic community during the time of the apostles had a similar challenge, which is they needed wisdom about how to live, how to be holy people and not just religious people, how to be holy in this sense, as Rabbi Yuri was underlining, set apart for the task and the purpose that God has called us to. This is very important because people can become very religious and engage in religious activity without focusing on the purpose that they're called to. And this is why many people in the world who would not consider themselves true believers are skeptical about those who call themselves believers because they recognize hypocrisy, they recognize the religious outward behaviors without the inner consistency and transformation. And I think it's useful for us not to be self-defensive, but to be understanding and to say, we face a challenge. We face a real challenge. How do we embrace the purposes of God as spiritual people? What are the principles that, that we have that can help us live for God today? We're called to live for him. That's why I like to call this the life of faith, because those who have faith in God are called to live for God and to experience this world. When I think of what God wants to do and what he is doing, I actually am encouraged by the season that we're in right now because so many things have stopped. So many things that control our day-to-day -day living have been paused or put on hold. And it gives us an opportunity and a challenge to examine our lives and to decide for ourselves now with some freedom how do we live in the best way possible? And I think that's what the readings are all about this week as well. And so I wanna focus on those in our study. And as we're looking at some of these issues and we're, we're thinking about revival and we're thinking about God's plan for revival for the Jewish people through the Messianic movement and God's plan for revival for the nations as well, I wanna challenge all of us not to limit our thinking where we consider revival to be participation or attendance at a religious event or conference, or even just coming to a congregational meeting. As useful as those things can be, that is, an, that is a partial and very limited view of revival. Because revival means to have life restored, to be restored for a purpose. It's not just an end point, it's a new beginning. And it's a new beginning that focuses on purpose. And that's why Yeshua on several occasions said these really challenging words. He said, those who endure to the end will be saved. Now, the word that's given to us in the Greek text for end is telos, which means purpose those who endure to the purpose, those who hold on to the purpose for which we've been set apart. That's the best way to understand it. Those who endure for the purpose that God has assigned to us, why he's revived us, what he wants us to, to do now that we're new creations in Messiah. Those who hold on to the purposes of God, these are the ones who will experience the fullness of salvation in this life in this present age and in the world to come. So I wanna encourage you, don't limit yourself to think, oh, revival means that there are a lot of people who are attending a religious event that may or may not be associated with revival. Revival is much more than that though. Revival has to do with how we live now that we're not 
in spiritual bondage. And that's why the words of the Lord to Israel that are in the Torah portion, Leviticus 18 verse 1 and the verses that follow that we're reading this week, these are very important as are the Haftorah and the Hadashah readings. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Leviticus 18 and I'm going to read starting in verse 1 from the Complete Jewish Bible Translation which was written by our good friend, Dr. David Stern. And it goes this way, Leviticus 18, verse one, Adonai said to Moshe, speak to the people of Israel and tell them, I am Adonai, your God. You are not to engage in the activities found in the land of Egypt, where you used to live. You see, that speaks of a time of separation. You leave some context because you're in a new context. Even though this is part of your past, you saw and were surrounded by Egyptians who lived a certain way, there are certain things you're not to embrace and carry forward into your life today or into your future. You're not to engage in the activities found in the land of Egypt where you used to live. That's the word. You're not to engage in the activities found in the land of Canaan, in Canaan, where I'm bringing you, nor are you to live by their laws. You see, this is a, a picture that we need to examine our past, our present, and our future so that we can focus on what God has in mind for us. Rather, you're to obey, this is verse four, you're to obey my rulings and my instructions, my laws, and live accordingly. And I wanna focus on that word live because this has to do with our life, not just our belief system and not just the regulations that we apply to ourselves, but the greater understanding that we have, how do we live for God? You are to obey my rulings and my instructions and live accordingly. I am Adonai, your God. Verse five, you are to observe my laws and rulings. If a person does them, that's something that we should say together. If a person does them, he will have life through them. I am Adonai. This last passage I think is of profound importance to us. If a person does them, he will have life through them. This is especially important for those of us in the Messianic movement because some of us are drawn in because we love some of the experiences like worshiping on Shabbat, very, very important. But it's important to pay attention to not just the religious behavior, which are, which are very important, but also the purpose associated with them. God has given us Shabbat so that we can have life. He's given us the holidays so that we can have life. He's given us all the teachings and instructions found in Torah, in the prophets, in the writings, in the Bretacharashah, the new covenant writings as well, so that we can have life. Remember this, there are things that are legal. There are things that, that are culturally acceptable, but they are not necessarily good for us. The way that we accomplish God's purposes in this season and in this life will require that we have wisdom about how to live. We can't just look at the culture around us. We can't just look at the political party or movement that we're associated with, whether it's on the right or the left, Republican or Democrat or independent or whatever. Those are not the kingdom of God. Those who we associate with may be influenced by many other understandings, but if we're gonna have life, we need to get this life from the scriptures and from the Lord, and not just from those who seem to be outside of the kingdom as well. Of course, we can honor, we can respect the legal norms and the cultural norms around us. We can find value in them. We're not just outsiders. We can appreciate the strengths of our culture and of our history, of our constitution, of course, and of all the, the state laws that have value to us. I'm, I'm not talking about anarchy where we put aside um, a sense of order, nor am I talking about antinomianism. That's a great word 
that you might want to look up. Antinomianism means to be without law. And it's a word that's translated uh, from a concept of being without Torah. I'm not talking about that attitude of people who say, we don't need anybody to tell us what to do. Actually, we do need help in knowing what to do. But when we choose for ourselves how we're going to live, we want to choose a higher law and a greater way. And that is the way of the Lord. And how do we make this choice? It's not by what's politically acceptable, because sometimes the majority around us, even our best friends, may not be moved and motivated by what motivates God and what God says is good. And you and I are called to be committed wholeheartedly with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our personality, with all of our intellectual capacity, we're to be committed to God and to love him. And what do we focus on? We focus on life. What sustains life? What brings life? What restores life? What is life affirming and what is life sustaining and life enhancing? The one who lives by these, the scripture says, the one who is faithful will live by his faithfulness. Faithfulness to God and faith in God produce life and the life of faith. They produce abundant life. Now, I love the idea of eternal life. I love the idea of living forever with God. And I look forward to what God has promised us, which is to be resurrected physically and spiritually so that we can live with him forever. And I'm looking forward to that. But I also understand this, that abundant life now is available for us. And when I say this word abundant, I'm not talking about material abundance. That would be too narrow a topic, though it does touch on uh, material things. It doesn't lead to materialism. So the abundant life could be translated another way, that we would have a surplus of life. I want you to think about that and maybe even make a note about this word surplus, that we would have more than enough, that we would have so much life in us that life would be overflowing from us to other people, that we would have a surplus, that we would have life to share, that we would have life that flows from us as Yeshua promised, that we would have rivers of living water flowing out from us. I think it's important for us to think in this way, to think about, do we have life? Because right now we have opportunity as the whole world is upside down and reconsidering what life is gonna be like in the near future. It's a great time to prioritize for ourselves what we are paying attention to. And I wanna encourage you to pay attention to what's important to God and what sustains life. If you discover some area of your life that um, just doesn't seem to have enough of God's abundance and surplus. I want to encourage you to put some effort into restoration, into your own personal revival during this season. Now, with that in mind, let's go to the Haftorah portion, Amos chapter 9, starting in verse 11. When that day comes, the Lord says, I'll raise up the fallen tabernacle of David, and I'll close up its gaps raise up its ruins and rebuild it as it used to be. This picture of a ruined situation and condition and then rebuilding helps us understand what real revival is all about. It has to do with taking something that is in disrepair and repairing it so that it can be used for its original purposes. It's renewed and restored in order to have life. It's not so that we can have a museum that we go to, but rather to have new life so that the original purpose can now be fulfilled in a new circumstance. And it describes the purpose, verse 12, so that Israel can possess what is left of Edom and of all the nations bearing my name. And this translation possess maybe doesn't give us quite the right understanding. I would, I would offer another alternatives, and that is so that Israel could now include what is left of Edom and of all the nations bearing my name. This idea of inclusion is a really powerful idea. The metaphor that the apostles give is something like this, that Israel is a tree. 
It is a cultivated tree. It's a tree that has been developed over time and has been carefully cultivated and nurtured. And room has been made in this tree for people from other nationalities, other families, other backgrounds, other people groups. And there has been room on this tree made so that people from these different backgrounds can now be grafted in. That's why this, this term grafted in is really important. Now, when we think about grafting, it's useful to know what we're talking about. When you graft, you take a tender bud or shoot of, of one, one tree and you graft it on to another tree. The wild tree, the apostle Paul talks about, is grafted in to the cultivated tree, Israel. Now, this is a powerful picture if you develop understanding about grafting, because you'll know this, that when the shoot is grafted into the tree, it, it, it joins together and the tissue joins together and the main tree with its trunk, its branches and its rootstock sustains the grafted in portion. The grafted in part, however, retains its identity. It doesn't, it doesn't lose its identity. That's why it's so important to grasp this. And it helps us understand as well that passage from Acts 15 that Rabbi Yuri was referring to, that the nations of the world who come to faith are being joined together with Israel, that the messianic movement is to include the nations who come to faith. Now, it's very important to have this clear in our minds. God wants the nations to be joined with faithful Israel, with the Israel that continues in faith with God, with the Israel that continues to look to the scriptures as our foundation for truth and practice, and the Israel that continues to live according to the word of God, and not just later developments, and not just other Jewish philosophies and paradigms. We're called to be connected to the true biblical Judaism that is revealed to us through the scriptures. And the nations of the world are called to join in with us and to take their place with us so that we can become an amazing kind of tree that retains its original and cultivated qualities as well as the new qualities that are added to this tree when people from the other trees, if you will, and the other vines um, from the other nations are added to us. So God has a purpose for all the nations being joined together and the nations will be sustained by Jewish life. This is what the apostles understand, it's what the prophets understand. It's what we can understand ourselves when we embrace this teaching from the scriptures. Verse 13 goes on. The days will come, says Adonai, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the one treading grapes, the one sowing seed. Sweet wine will drip down the mountains and all the hills will flow with it. I will restore, this is the Lord speaking, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and they will rebuild and inhabit the ruined cities. Very important idea for us to grasp. God has given us a mandate as part of our messianic mandate to participate in urban renewal, revival of cities that have come into disrepair. Isaiah 58 speaks of this. It's very powerful and, and I'll share with you some thoughts about that in just a minute. It goes on. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine, cultivate gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their own soil, no more to be uprooted from their land, which I gave them, says Adonai, your God. This is an important understanding for us. Revival and restoration is, like I said earlier, not just about being religious and participating in all the religious activities that we associate with our faith, but it has to do with how we live for a new purpose now. How do we rebuild? How do we restore? How do we see what God has in mind? Well, Isaiah 58 speaks of this as well. I remember I had a time in my life 
when I considered Isaiah 58 to be one of the theme passages, one of the life passages that helped me understand how to live. But there was a period where I was frustrated. I was even complaining to God in my prayers. And these complaints were, Lord, why am I surrounded by broken people and broken situations? And I was wanting God to deliver me from this. And during a time of fellowship with the Lord, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, well, don't you love Isaiah 58? And I was saying, yes, of course I do. But I wasn't understanding something. He showed me that the passage in Isaiah 58, which really had touched my heart, at least I thought it had, was the one that said, and you will be restorer of streets with dwellings and repairer of the breach. And I had prayed this, I can't tell you how many times. I'd spoken about it, I thought about it, I had molded it over. But when I was in the midst of it, I didn't make the connection. And this is what was happening. I was complaining because I was in a broken situation and surrounded by broken people. And the Lord was saying, this is what you've been prepared for. This is what you've been praying for. This is why this passage in Isaiah 58 is important to you. You know, we can be so dense. Well, I can be, I don't know about you. I can be so dense, so thick, so slow to understand some things. Sometimes I just misunderstand what's going on. And maybe that's happening with you right now. Maybe you're looking at the world and what's going on right now and you're only thinking in a very narrow way and you're not understanding God has hit a restart button in a sense. He's allowing every one of us to reboot our operating systems if you're a computer techie or a geek. He's given us a chance to clean out rubble He's given us an opportunity to develop some new awareness and to have new priorities. I wanna encourage you, take time to do this. Don't get so religious and so spiritual that you miss these practical things that God is interested in. Plant vineyards and make wine to drink. Vineyards take time, they take effort, they take skill. Wine making is an art as well as a science. And those that produce the very best wine are growing their vines in craggy soil, in, in rocky soil, not in the kind of soil you would grow produce in or grain in, but what is good for a vineyard, what is good for grapes is not good for other things that grow. And those that learn how to do this and how to prioritize their time, how to manage the money, how to manage the schedule, how to manage, um, groups of people working together in concert, how to produce special fruit and then to, then to um, develop that fruit, to harvest it, and then to bottle the wine and to age it to perfection. These are the ones who really become well-known. And not just them, but their children and their children's children. If you travel to the wine districts of the world, you'll understand that those who learn how to do this pass it on to their children and their children's children because great wine is developed over generations. And in the same way, we need to have a multi-generational view. We're also called to cultivate gardens and to eat their fruit. And cultivation means to prepare the soil, to plant and to weed and to feed and to prune and protect from pests and from wildlife, and then to harvest and to store, to distribute, and then to eat from what we produce. All of these areas are important and practical things that you might not associate with spiritual revival, but God does. That's why I'm so encouraged by those of you who are doing some rebuilding work on your home. You're doing some upgrades right now. You're renovating, you're painting, you're cleaning up. Those who are doing deep spring cleaning, those who are working on their yards as well, I want to congratulate you. You're engaged in what God considers to be part of spiritual revival. It's not just coming to our live from home events and joining with us. This is powerful, but I wanna encourage you, take what power God is giving you now and what vision he's giving you now through the scriptures and use it for your day-to-day -day living. 
Use it to rebuild and to restore. And understand God is interested in urban renewal. He's interested in neighborhood renewal and cities and gardens and housing and food. And not just that, God is interested in all kinds of people. He's interested in the Jewish people. He's interested in the close relatives of the Jewish people. But he's also interested in all of the nations that bear his name. And that's why it's important for, for everyone who joins together in the Messianic movement with us, regardless of what your nationality is. It's important to grasp this. All the ethnic groups that bear the name of the Lord, who choose God's way and God's people, you're important to the Lord. It's important for you to love God and to love God's people, Israel, but it's also important for you to love God and your own people and your own family because God is not indifferent to nationality. He's not trying to just make us all uniform and identical. If he were, he would not graft in people from the nations, because the grafting preserves identity, but it causes us to find common life together in a place and through the common life that we have. We're not being blended into one uniform mishmash that, that's like a bassomatic where everything's just been thrown in and it's a bloody mess. No, each ethnic group is called to maintain your ethnic distinctions your strengths and the qualities that you have that are really wonderful that have been developed over centuries. But don't succumb to the weaknesses just because they're part of your national identity. Unite yourself with the love of God and the love of your people. And remember this, if you do this, then God can use you in powerful ways. Now I wanna close with some thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter six, starting in verse 12. This is one of our readings from the Brit Hadashah. If we were at Beth Israel this weekend in the sanctuary, we would be reading selections from the scriptures such as these. First Corinthians 6 verse 12 says, you say for me, everything is permitted. You see, that's what some people say. I can do anything because I've been set free. I'm not under any law. But Paul says, well, maybe, but not everything is helpful. You may consider everything permitted, but that doesn't mean you should do everything. Remember what Moses was communicating to Israel. Don't take your cues from those all around you. Take your cues from the Lord. The passage goes on. For me, everything is permitted, you say? Well, maybe, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to let anything gain control over me. Verse 13. You say food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, maybe, but God will put an end to both of them. Anyhow, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. You see, we don't have to be denying our bodies like the Gnostics did or like um, those who have embraced some of that Greek thinking, even through Islam and, and through the teachings of Maimonides, the Jewish philosopher. We're not supposed to deny our physicality, but God is interested in our physicality as well. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. Verse 14, God raised up the Lord and he will raise us up too by his power. He will revive us and resurrect us spiritually and physically. Don't you know that your bodies are of the Messiah. This is a radical challenge to the idea of the Gnostics, which is the spiritual is the only thing that matters, and the physical and the normal and the everyday life are unimportant. No, that's not what the teachings of the apostles say. Don't you know that your bodies are parts of the Messiah? So am I to take parts of the Messiah and make them parts of a prostitute? Heaven forbid. Don't you know that a man who joins himself to a prostitute becomes physically one with her? For the Tanakh says the two will become one flesh, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple for the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit who lives inside you, whom you received from God. The fact is you don't belong to yourselves for you were bought at a price. So use your bodies 
to glorify God. This is the same teaching as what we read in the Torah. What's our measure? Not what's permitted, but what's helpful, what's life affirming. And so we make a personal decision. We don't want to be dominated by our own habits. Habits are meant to serve us as we follow the Lord, not to dominate us. And these two key appetites about how we eat food and our sexual and physical appetites, these are what the apostle says. We need to bring those under the authority of God because our bodies are a temple for the Lord. You don't belong to yourself anymore. I don't belong to myself anymore. We and you and I were bought with a price by Messiah so we can use our bodies for God's glory. Well, these are powerful thoughts that can help us choose how to live so that we can live on a day-to-day -day basis. We can do work around our house during the season. We can plant gardens. Congratulations to everyone who's planting gardens these days. You're doing a holy thing. And for everyone who's involved in neighborhood renewal and the revival of broken neighborhoods, I congratulate you too. You are doing something that the Bible considers revival. Keep on doing it. Use your strength and the life that's abundant in you to bless your family and your ethnic group, your nationality, the family group that you've come out of so that we can build the house of the Lord together in these challenging times. Now, I wanna give an assignment again, which I gave last night, and it's something important to us. So those of you who are part of the ministries at Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue. I, I want to speak to you. Those of you who are leaders and coordinators of ministries at Beth Israel, I have an assignment for you. I want you this weekend, today and tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, we've all, Friday's already passed, but I spoke about this last night. Today and tomorrow, I want you to contact everybody who's part of your ministry team at Beth Israel, those who are on your roster, those who serve on the team calendar um, in all the ministries that we have at Beth Israel. I want the ministry leaders and coordinators to contact every one of the team members and just say hello, just check up on them. Let them know that you're carrying out what your rabbis and Robinson want you to do. We've asked you to do this and I hope that you'll take it seriously, ministry leaders. Contact everybody on your list. Call them, text them, email them, send them a letter and a note if you have to by mail, and just tell them that you're concerned for them, you're thinking about them, you're praying for them, and you want to check up on them. How are they doing? And then take some time and pray for them. And as well, let us know. Let Rabbi Yuri and me know so that we can let the Rebison know as well about any needs and any great testimonies of what God is doing. And that way we can build a stronger sense of connection together and build a two-way communication chain together. And you know what? Your communication with those on your ministry team can really mean the world to them. Thanks to everyone who's part of the Beth Israel Messianic congregation, to the Mishpocha who take time to connect like this, the rabbis and Rebetzin of Beth Israel. We so appreciate you doing all of this and taking time to care for each other. This morning, I want to give a special greeting to the Kramers. Happy anniversary, Paul and Ann Kramer. I know you're celebrating your anniversary yesterday, and we just want to congratulate you as well. I also want to give a special greeting to all of the youth who are part of Beth Israel. This would be the weekend when you would normally gather together for a youth group meeting at, at synagogue. And I know you can't do that at the synagogue, but we're thinking about you. We're hoping you're participating with us and we want to encourage you stay strong and continue to serve together. And all of us appreciate all the generations that are joining together with us. I also want to remind you that you can find our Cantor Aaron's Torah teaser on the same page, the Beth Israel page, the Facebook page, of uh, Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue, you'll find the Torah teaser. It's worth taking time to watch that video this weekend and to connect in this way. Well, this is a moment for us to say thanks to everyone who is continuing to be faithful and with their tithes and their offerings in supporting the synagogue. Your commitment, your faithfulness, your steady giving really enables us to have stability during these uncertain times and enables us to continue to meet all of our financial commitments. 
all of the costs of our building and of our congregation continue. Some of them have actually increased as we're having to spend additional monies in order to provide for the technology that enables us to do these Facebook Live and other events through uh, the internet. And we're so grateful for everyone who is faithful, who's standing shoulder to shoulder together in prayer and with their ties and with your special offerings. And a special thank you to all of you who are making sacrificial offerings that enable us to do even more to help others all around us. We're grateful that, that we can stand together and accomplish more together than we ever could on our own. If you want to participate in supporting Beth Israel, you can go to our website, go to bethisraelnow.com giving, and you'll find on that page how you can participate through Giving Fire, one of our online giving portals, and through PayPal. Your choice, both of them are very secure. We've had no problems whatsoever. They're easy to use and they're easy to customize as well so that you can you can find a way to participate you'll also find our mailing address so that you can send checks through the mail and through your online bill paying service through your bank special thanks to everyone who's accustomed to giving by uh bringing cash and making their offerings during the sanctuary meetings i know you've had to make a big ad adaptation and we're so grateful that you're flexible and that you're faithful as well thanks for making those changes you know, at this time, we normally would end our service with the blessing of Aaron. We'd encourage everyone to stand and then to gather together, um, closely together. And you can't gather together with everybody. You can gather together with your family. So my wife, Sandy, is going to join in with me. She's going to slide in here and sit with me because I'm sitting. If I stand up, you will see... Um, my belly and not my face. <laughs> so I'm going to be sitting here and we're going to say Aaron's blessing together and pray over you. And then we're going to have one concluding worship song from the Rose family. So let's pray. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you life. May the Lord lift his face to you and give you peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. So I want to say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. We're so happy that you could spend this time with you. Now stay tuned as we return to the Rose family for one more worship song. Shabbat Shalom.
Well, thank you for worshiping with us this weekend. Thank you for um, joining us for Live at Home with Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue. Again, my name is Brian Rose, my wife Deanne, and we just wish you Shabbat Shalom. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and God bless you all.